This episode is brought to you by Atma Biocenters, Kennesaw, Georgia. Atma Biocenters reminds you that you have the power to heal others and help yourselves. By becoming a plasma donor, you can earn money while helping save the lives of many people. Learn more by visiting www.admabiocenters.com. Welcome to What the Plasma, the podcast where you'll learn more about the importance of blood and plasma. Fine-tune your knowledge about this highly misunderstood industry and hear interviews with patients, donors, and people on the front lines. Let's get started with your host, Mason St. Felix. Welcome to What the Plasma. I am your host, Mason St. Felix. I want to thank each and every one of you that follow our show. We are now on episode number four. I'm excited about this one. Joining me today is Alan Huber, Director of U.S. Medical Affairs at GC Pharma. Over the last 20 years, Alan held leadership roles in both specialty pharmacy and biopharmaceuticals focusing in plasma therapies, along with serving as an adjunct assistant professor of pharmacy practice at the University of Southern California. Please welcome Alan Huber. So I want to just thank Alan for joining us here today. Alan, welcome to the show. Welcome to What the Plasma. Thank you, and it's an honor to be invited on your show. Yeah, no, appreciate appreciate you really coming on. And so over the last um, few weeks, We've we've had a few guests on here, and we've always started with uh, just how are they coping or how are they doing with, uh, I think now we're in week eight, eighth or ninth of um, quarantine in most places, but now the states are starting to open up. How have you dealt with, um, you know, COVID-19 and quarantine? Well, it's interesting. I think every person has a different answer based on the geography of where you are. I live in L.A., so... Our quarantine regulations have, have been a lot more stricter and tougher than perhaps other states in the country. As you see in the news constantly, certain states have certain regulations and laws they put into effect. California has been pretty strict, and particularly Los Angeles, because um, they are very, as many people have been enforced regulations about stay home, the stay home policy, and about you can't go to the beach. In fact, Many, many parks and trails in the hills and mountains have been shut down. So we live under a, a situation which maybe many states don't have to go through. So it has been not has not been easy here, I should yeah. say the least. In reference like back to, you know, donating um, plasma and people that like depend on plasma medicines and therapies, one of the things that's become very apparent to, to me just throughout this process is this is kind of kind of the life that they almost live on a regular basis um, and without the proper therapies these are some of the things that that they that's just normal without a question no question about it especially patients with primary immune deficiency right they're sort of much more careful and they're probably they have probably been living this in some indirect way that we have never mm-hmm. really appreciated until we go into their world and realize, wow, we have a better appreciation for patients who have been um, 
diagnosed with PID and much more, much more appreciative of what they've been through or, or better yet are going through. Yeah. I, I, just definitely for me, it's a, it's been an eye opening situation and I've you know been in plasma for a while, spoken to patients, spoken to donors, but this, and, and I actually spoke to a patient not too long ago who shared that with me, that really opened up my eyes to really understand and see this is unique. This is different. And while it's short term for the majority of us, you know, this is a long term thing, you know, for, for them to deal with. Oh, no question. I mean, these, many of these patients, many young who are, who are young, very young when they're diagnosed, particularly with certain, certain conditions under, under, under PI, because there are many, there's many conditions. PI is a general broad term, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yes. When I say PI, you could use the same analogy as cancer. Well, yes. these cancers, cancer, but there are many kinds of cancers, as there are many types of immune deficiencies under the category of PID. Yeah, but yeah. but you're right though. Many many people are diagnosed when they're very young, when they're six months old or one year old, two years old, and they live a full life. But on the other hand, they have they are much more careful about what they have to do in life, about being exposed to particular conditions that they can't fight off. And yeah. so, but we are now understanding that world a lot better. It's probably, it's probably in many ways the better for all of us. And now we have an appreciation for what, what they go through. So just looking at what COVID-19 has done, one thing that has been very apparent to me is how plasma, which before this, just people related to plasma very differently, but how plasma has really became this universal topic across the board. And I would like to just hear your thoughts on how you think the plasma and blood um, industries could definitely build off of this heightened public awareness about donating blood, donating plasma. Um, and, And do you see, you know, what are some of the advantages and maybe even some challenges as we move forward? Well, I think the best way for me to answer that question, Mason, is to use sort of my own background because, and I can give you just a quick, you know, timeline. Many people don't even understand what plasma is, unless you're in that inside world of plasma donations, plasma therapy, manufacturing, specialty pharmacy. If you're outside that circle, many people don't even even know what it is or why they're giving plasma. I mean, I remember when I was an undergraduate at the University of Maryland, I remember giving my first plasma donation, but I had I had no idea why I was doing it, except that they were giving me a little bit of money. It wasn't really, out, it wasn't an altruistic version because I had no idea why I was giving it and I have no idea what it was used for. But I knew that it was for some medicinal purpose, but that was it. I also remember when I was um, doing my a two-year internship at the National Institute of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, I first I saw my first IV IgE product. And this is someone who went to pharmacy school. Yeah. And, it was, and the product was called Sanaglobulin. Um, okay? It was an old white cake powder. And all I knew was I had no idea what it was for. But I didn't want to mix it <laughs> because it took two hours to dissolve because it was a lyophilized cake. 
but you put water, it takes about a while to dissolve it and to mix it before someone can infuse it. I had no idea what that powder was for. I just knew it was very difficult to compound and to dissolve into a, a form that could be infused. Because in, even in school, you weren't really even taught the, what was IG. It was, it was not only until I got into the industry in the, the pharmacy world where I became very aware of what the power of amp, um, antibodies were. Um, and that transcends not just primary immune deficiency, but secondary immune deficiency, autoimmune disorders. I mean, you, you can go, I can give you a list of many autoimmune disorders that is currently used in the world to be treated with IG, neurological, dermatological, rheumatological, transplant, I mean, I can go on and on and on. But until you're in that world, you're never really exposed to it educationally speaking. And I think one of the pr things that we are learning in this pandemic is people are starting to understand or at least try, are hearing the word plasma or IG. They're starting to say, "What? okay, what is this? I heard it, but what does it do? How can I learn more about it? And it's bringing an awareness to people that people never knew, a world that never knew existed, except for a very special group of people who treated these rare disorders with this great therapy called IG. And now it's on the news. You cannot get away from news unless you hear the word plasma or you hear this treatment or that treatment. Now you're convalescent therapy. You hear the word hyperimmune, perhaps in certain circles. Now there is what I call a um, critical mass starting to hit the, the media, social media, TV, papers, or discussions within friends or academia that people are starting to understand that there's something about this. I need to learn it. So, and I think that, if anything, is a good thing because this pandemic is brought to light this very mysterious world of plasma therapies that many people just don't know a lot about. Yeah, and I could definitely see, you know, as we as we begin to move forward, taking that and continuing to put out and share um, and build that education around that. Um, which will have a massive positive impact, not just within the industries, but for the patients that, you know, that depend on this. Um, it, when you can get that information out, um, grow donor bases. And, and like you pointed out, um, the use of IG or even plasma-derived therapies and antibodies, it's not just um, in this small group. It's, used, it's beginning to find uses in a lot of different places. Um, and, and I think people are really starting to understand and learn what, what else is plasma used for. Um, and even I'm just there's some new things that I'm learning about um, as well. And I've been in this industry for 10 years uh, that that, you know, that um, plasma is, is utilized in as well. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, if you it's, when you think of plasma, there is not just for autoimmune disorders or primary or secondary immune deficiency. Uh, people are, are being treated with or for hemophilia or for alpha-1 deficiency or they're using for albumin for certain conditions or hereditary angioedema. There are conditions out there which are, are classified as rare disorders that are being used, but 
unless you are in that world, it's hard to understand because many people probably have never met a hemophiliac or have never met someone with a particular neurological disorder that's being used with IVIG or even a primary immune deficient patient uh, with XLA or SCID. Most people never meet them or never come across them because it's a rare disorder. But now this pandemic affects everybody. It affects your neighbor, it affects your family, it affects your coworkers, it affects someone you perhaps know who has been exposed to COVID. And now it hits home. It's no longer, it's something I heard about, it's someone else's issue. No, it's now your issue. Because now you're potentially exposed to it based on your behaviors or what you do or who you're around. So now you got skin in the game. So now that you're in it, now you're interested to know more about it. And I think this is, industry cannot take advantage of this time to educate people the importance of donating, the importance of schools, pharmacy schools, medical schools, nursing schools, to teach their students about why these therapies are important to treat particular conditions that you don't, you may never come across and hear about in your practice, but you got to you got to be exposed to it. You have to know what a primary immune deficiency patient is. You may never meet one in your life, but at least you want to say you heard about it. You know what IBIG is, passive immunity, to treat patients who cannot manufacture antibodies because of a T cell or B cell dysfunction. You may never meet them, but at least you got to be educated on that. And I think this if this is this is the time. There's no better time than now. And convalescence plasma has been it's something that's been around for a while, um, and it's it's not a brand new uh, brand new thing. But what do you think um, makes this time around a little bit different, and the the urgency um, um, and just the attention around it? What do you think makes this time a little bit different than in the past, like when it was used for like MERS or um, you know other pandemics? Well, I mean, convalescent plasma it goes back well over 100 years. I mean, I think the first time it was ever used to treat a condition was diphtheria back in the late 1800s. And then you go into current situations with MERS or the original SARS or the Ebola of West Africa. Um, or now you see hyperimmune products, right? Used to treat patients with rabies or RSV or perhaps... Um, I don't know, other conditions like tetanus or hepatitis or, or snake, snake bites. You don't hear, but you hear about it, but you don't really know how it was made or how it came to this point because most likely you have never been personally exposed to it. You may have never met someone who has this condition, but now you're in the game because you go walk outside your house and walk down the street and potentially be exposed and you never knew it. It's not like the other ones where it's particularly local and regionalized, right? MERS was yeah. pretty much in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia. Um, yeah. Ebola was West Africa. So someone that lives in LA perhaps may not be as much as interested in something that's uh, something happening in uh, Saudi Arabia or West Africa. They hear about it. But it's far away, doesn't affect them. Now you're in it because you are now potentially exposed to something in your street, in your neighborhood yeah. that you never thought you would be a part of. 
So it is now everyone is in it, which is why the world is doing things which are things that you would have not, you had never imagined months ago. That's a really great transition into what we're seeing within the plasma industry itself, where the launch of the Plasma Alliance that just took place here in early March, bringing together a group of plasma companies that uh, probably two months, three months ago, two months ago, you would never even actually see work together. Um, and, and I think that's a it's a great thing to see within the industry. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's just this this type of cooperation, I think, can have some really good positive long term impacts on on the industry. And just, you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And I, and I know that um, your company also just just joined the alliance as well um, uh, with with the Green Cross. So definitely, you know, love to hear sharing a little bit about that. And what do you guys uh, plan on doing to really help with um, bringing together a therapy to uh, support serious COVID conditions? Well, I think this alliance is everything the world needs for future issues as well. I, I believe like I said, three months ago, four months ago, if you had said 10 companies would come together to come up with an unbranded product to make together to solve a world pandemic, I would have never believed you. I would have said that's a pipe dream. Yeah. That's something that you see only in a Hollywood script, that in a perfect world, that this yeah. is how things should be. But being in the industry for many years... I would have never imagined that something like this would have brought all these large and very talented people together for a altruistic cause, really, to, to do something for the world and putting yeah. e egos aside, putting all these things aside to do what's right for the greater good of the people on the planet. So, yeah. yes, we are now a part of it, and we have been um, joined. We have joined the alliance with all these other great people and companies. And our role is to do whatever we can to essentially expedite this product to go through the trials and through uh, plasma collection and through regulatory affairs and eventually bring this to, to, to the world to help eventually, if, you know, again, cautiously optimistic that if it works, that we can do something that could be really groundbreaking and could be, could be an example for other people, because if you look at the other industries, you know, when there's something happens, when there's a big crisis in the world or something, you see certain industries always come together, right? You see musicians come together and they sing to create, bring, bind the world or actors or certain yeah. groups. They come together as one to heal or do something that could be really helpful to do something in this case, you have a large group of very talented people in a pharma industry who are coming together to do something comparable to what these other industries have done when there is a crisis. And so we have brought all these very great people together to do something in collaboration is our way of showing basically that, that our, our compassion to do something to help people for their greater good and if we can contribute something together and hopefully come up with something that can really be beneficial to help people who are sick with this condition I mean what better thing can you say what 
what is more, I mean, there's nothing more any health professional should be proud of that you contributed to doing something for the greater good of society. I believe it was a director at CSL that that said unprecedented times calls for unprecedented measures, essentially. And I think that really summed it up. Uh, you know, when I saw that, it's like, yeah, definitely. Um, you, we have to do something different to deal with something we've never dealt with before. Um, if we keep doing things the same, obviously, it's it's not going to resolve this thing. So coming yeah, together. Exactly. Is- You're exactly right. These are companies that compete in the business world um, and they compete hard. And that's fine. But there's also people who have said, you know what, there's a time for business and there's a time for doing something socially good for the people. And let's put aside all our other issues and let's come together and do something that is on, which is good on behalf of society. I mean, how, how incredible is that? I mean, for us to, we could, I couldn't imagine not wanting to, to, par- to participate in this alliance because it would have been something that I felt when I reached out to some of the people at the founders that we wanted to be a part of it, that I don't think if I did never, if I did not reach out to them originally, I don't know if I would have been happy with myself for not trying. Yeah. You know, and I think it's my, it's my role and GC's role to at least try and be a part of it and contribute. And we were accepted into the Alliance and we couldn't be happier. So I can see that um, this is going to really generate a, a lot of just great positivity across the board. Um, and so just kind of just shifting gears a little bit and just looking at your history uh, and, and looking at your career path, you've been in, in this industry for a while. What drove you and has caused you and wants you to, you know, to stay within within plasma, holding different roles, obviously. But what's really kept you within this uh, within this? Well, I mean, I've been on all sides. I've been on the academic side. At, um, I've also been on the specialty pharmacy side where I've. In my my career, especially pharmacy, I probably managed and took managed the care and took care of well over three thousand patients on IVIG or subQIG from a clinical perspective. I mean, I've seen all disease states. I mean, I've seen immune deficiency. I've seen autoimmune. I've seen transplant. I've seen neonatal conditions which have been effective with certain IG therapies and. And now I'm on the manufacturing side to try to help, you know, eventually do something to us to also go through clinical trials to bring our product into the U.S. market one day. Yeah. And I think one good thing about in my world of um, plasma therapies is that there's always it's not black or white. It's it's a there's so many conditions that are treated with plasma that there's not enough time in the day yeah. to really say you are, I've mastered this. Um, because again, you've got multiple therapies, you know, alpha one or hemophilia or using albumin or IG or sub Q. And then you got all the disease states, which are associated with those conditions. It's not just one disease. So there, I could, you know, there's 20s and 30 and 40. I mean, there's so many conditions that you are just always constantly learning about this industry. And as we grow, as IG expands its use in the US or other parts of the world, 
it's growing and because there are more conditions that are eventually going to be used to treat IG with. And you see it. You see the growth of IG in the U.S. I mean, it's yeah. gone dramatically increased over the last 10 years. And I potentially see it growing hot more and more because more people will need it. And you're going to find more conditions that will be needed to for it to be used for. Yeah, and also seeing the growth of it around the world as well, I think, as like it expands in China um, and, and even looking at like India and other places, just the use of IG is becoming uh, utilized across the board. Oh, no, there's no question. I think um, the U.S. is a leading example of, well, I speak because my expertise is a U.S. market, but I would say yeah. that... In the last 10 years, I've seen conditions that you had never heard of, we, I've never heard of, that are also now it's being used for. And whether it's on a clinical trial or it's being used on some kind of investigational study or payers is another thing, they're recognizing that, wow, I'd rather treat this patient with IG for this rare condition or they're going to go to a hospital, which costs a lot more money. So yeah. you're seeing a lot of that usage with med with certain insurers willing to pay more for IG at home versus they have in the hospital in the past because they try they just want to use it because it's it's a lot of peer reviewed yeah. journals are saying it's effective. So we're always studying the the literature to see what is new and what is being studied and it's growing. There's no question about it. What we do in this industry is. Um... It's different. It's unique, um, and and it's something that really is. It's just, it makes it worth coming to work every day um, to to be able to know that at the end of the day, um, no matter where you're at, from a plasma center to um, anywhere within manufacturing, commercial side operations, regardless, you're actually truly actually making an actual difference. And there's another human being on that other side that depends on you to actually show up every day. So I think that that's the unique part about being in this industry um, to me that makes it actually ab absolutely worth it um, compared yes. to anywhere else. And I think we need more education in the academic schools that teach uh, future generations of physicians, pharmacists, nurses, that there should be more courses and lectures provided on these rare disorders and how associated with plasma and somehow creating this kind of campaign that donating plasma to plasma collection centers is really critical because you need to understand that donating uh, your plasma can treat a patient with a condition called CIDP or multifocal neuropathy or X yeah. XLA. But now that you're taught what XLA is or what CIDP is, you can now say, wow, I could now I have an understanding of where my plasma is going and why it's being used. It incentivizes people from an altruistic per, uh, perspective to want to donate because now they know why they're donating it and who they are, what is being treated for. And I think that can be treated, uh, educated in the academic centers because it has been lacking for many years for future generations of uh, healthcare practitioners. Yeah. Well, we we hope to do our part by, you know, pushing out some of this information and educating the public on, on, on some of these things in a you know very easy to digest way so that they can see the importance of it as well because um, it's going to be a definitely a group effort across the board to better educate people around this thing um, and and get people to understand that 
donating plasma is definitely more than than what it's um, currently perceived to be uh, in general media. Oh, yeah. You're seeing now certain celebrities, athletes, movie stars are donating their convalescent plasma. I saw last week that Tom Hanks donated his convalescent plasma at UCLA, right? Uh, Where you see some of these NBA, great NBA basketball players who are donating their convalescent plasma because it's the right thing to do. You could put attention on that. And if they can do it, other people can think, why am I not doing it? Yeah. It's really exactly. that, it's that simple. Yeah, it is. No, uh, well, Alan, I really appreciate you coming on board and just um, taking the time to to meet with me and have this conversation with me today. Really appreciate you, uh, you know, spending spending this afternoon and doing that. Um, and you're welcome back anytime. Well, again, Mason, thank you for uh, asking me to be part of your show. It's a really um, an honor to be a part of it. Over 1 million patients with rare and chronic diseases rely on plasma. Your plasma donation helps people live healthier and happier lives. Your donation matters. Earn extra cash while saving lives. Become a donor today. Find a center near you on iPlasma.life. I want to thank Alan for joining today's show. To learn more about the Plasma Alliance, visit COVID19PlasmaAlliance.org. Make sure to share it with anyone you know that have recovered from COVID-19. Don't forget, be the difference. Patients are counting on you. Until next time, have a great rest of your week. Thank you for listening to this weekly episode of What the Plasma. To download this episode plus more, go to whattheplasma.life or anywhere streaming podcasts. While you're there, make sure to subscribe. Also, don't forget to join the iPlasma Life community on your favorite social media platform. Catch you on the next episode. Until then, don't forget, you are the difference. So be the difference. Patients are counting on you.